Eternal God, unchanging, mysterious and unknown. Your boundless love, unfailing, in grace and mercy shown. Bright seraphim in ceaseless flight around your glorious throne. They raise their voices day and night in praise to you alone. Alleluia! Glory be to our great God. Alleluia! Glory be to our great God. Lord, we are weak and frail, helpless in the storm. Surround us with your angels. Hold us in your arms. Our cold and ruthless enemy, his pleasure is our harm. Rise up, O Lord, and he will flee beneath our sovereign God. Hallelujah! Glory be to our great God. Hallelujah! Glory be to our great God. Let every creature in the sea and every flying bird, let every mountain, every field and valley of the earth, let all the moons and all the stars in all the universe Sing praises to the living God who rules them by His Word. Hallelujah! Glory be to our great God. Hallelujah! Glory be to our great God. Hallelujah, glory be to our great God. Hallelujah, glory be to our great God. In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise 
in the morning when I rise. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Give me Jesus. And when I am alone, oh, and when I am alone, And when I am alone, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. And when I come to die, Oh, and when I come to die, and when I come to die, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus, you can have all this world. You can have all this world. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. Welcome to all of you uh, to this special, very special evening when we honor our God Praise our God for 25 years of ministry that he has given all of us together uh, under the shepherding of uh, Pastor Don Patterson. Um, And a special welcome to Mary and his boys and their families and all of your family here tonight as well. It's a very special night. Um, If you don't have one already, uh, there's worship programs on the back of the, and the podium in the back, so please grab one if you don't. And I'm just going to apologize up front. We turned the AC on at about 3 o'clock this afternoon, but apparently that wasn't soon enough to get it <laughs> cooled down in here. So, um, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll still praise our God and, uh, and honor him for, again, this special celebration.
Please, uh, we'll have our opening prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you through Jesus Christ for the great privilege which is ours tonight to humbly come before you and to lovingly praise and thank you as we, as we reflect on the 25-year ministry of our pastor, Don Patterson. Thank you for the gift of his life. Thank you for your love and your grace and for the privilege of calling upon your name. Thank you for Pastor Patterson and for his family and for the blessing that they have been to us and to so many others over the years. As we mark this anniversary, help us to see this moment as another gift of your grace. May our words and may the celebration all be to your honor and glory. Amen. We join together in singing hymn 368, O Savior, Precious Savior.
Good evening. My name is Dan Lighton, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Holy Word. The staff calls me Smalls. Patterson calls me Lieutenant Diane. <laughs> there it is. Um, I just want to start by recognizing the moment. Think about this. Look at everybody around and take it all in. Friends, family, gathered together to celebrate God's grace in 25 years of ministry. Don, Mary, Donovan, Caleb, Seth, Blake. Did I get you all there, y'all? Your whole family. Um, I got to tell you, it's an honor just to speak tonight, but to give you God's word. Thank you to the committee and whoever said that I should do this. That's a real honor. Um, And I want to give you God's word tonight and his grace that you have shown in your ministry, too, this whole time. So, Earlier this week, uh, Monday night, we had a leadership meeting. And at the end of the leadership meeting, the conversation turned to, guess what? Stories about Pastor Patterson. And I won't bore you with the details of the stories, although you might like to be bored with the details of the stories later. The stories had a current theme, though, that went through them all. And you're going to, when I start telling you the theme, you're going to raise your hand and think in your head, yep, that's me too. The theme was this. I wouldn't have come to Holy Word if it weren't for... He came to to my house and he visited with me and my wife. He sat down with us. And I don't think I'd be at church if it weren't for... And he came to my office, another person says, and he met us there, and he, he, he shared his love for us there, and, and I don't think I'd be here if it weren't for... And you know how it went that night. And I finally said, it came to my turn, and I said, you know what, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I can honestly tell you, I would literally not be at Holy Word if it weren't for Pastor Patterson. Because here's my story. About five years ago, I graduated from the seminary, and I was assigned to be the associate to the district president in the South Central District. And we didn't know who it was. Although you were in the room, I was in the room. We didn't know who was going to be elected because the venerable former district president, you can kiss his ring later, (laughs) was retiring. And he spoke to me that day. And the president hadn't been elected yet, and so I had to wait until midway through summer, and then I got a phone call up on the roof. Hey, you're going to Austin, Texas. Don Patterson. I thought to myself, Don Patterson? I'm going to be working with the Don Patterson? (laughs) Right, he says. Yeah, I did say that. Um, And I'm not bringing this up. I mean, I would... I'm not his son, although I could go on tonight, on and on about how I'm young enough to be his son, but I won't. From the moment that Hannah and I and my young son, now we're a growing family, stepped foot here at Holy Word, we felt welcomed, and uh, Pastor Patterson had a sit-down with me. He sat me down one-on-one in that conference room over there. You remember this? And we talked ministry and the gems that come out of his mouth. I don't even know if he, he realizes it, but I was writing as fast as I could, I, and, and, and I didn't get it all down, but I'll tell you one thing that he told me that night, that day, sitting in, in the conference room, that will stick with me forever. He said... Lieutenant Dan, I promise I'll do my best to treat you better than I treat my vicars. <laughs> Kidding. He did say this. He said this, and this is what stuck with me. He said, Dan, 
you are these people's pastor, too. And he says, and I want them to see you as their pastor as much as I want them to see me as their pastor. And I thought to myself, wow. He wants to do this together with me. And I thought to myself, wow, this is like the man that was speaking to me with his wife at the, at the marriage seminar at the seminary just a couple of months ago. This is the rock star um, evangelist and outreach and, and education guy that's published in the Ford of Christ and in the, in the in Northwestern Publishing House, and he wants to do ministry with me and share his congregation with me? I thought to myself, what makes this man so humble? What keeps him grounded? And then I met Mary. They all do, though, don't they? They all do. <laughs> we have pastors and vicars, former vicars in the room. Can you raise your hand? Raise them for us. You look around just at the pastors. You don't have to be his former vicar. Just raise your hand. This is for all of you pastors out there. There we go. Um, if you've had interactions with Pastor Patterson, you know his history of Galeskiisms that have been written down in a book and kept and journaled. I think it's time that we start the Pattersonism book. And if you just raise your hand, or if you didn't, you might have recognized this Pattersonism, and it's one of my favorites, and we're getting to the Bible, we're getting to the Bible passage, and, and this, is what his, this is what his phrase is. Ministry is simple. Love God and love people. Have you heard that one before? Maybe you have. If you have and you're on staff, you definitely have. Love God and love people. It's that simple, isn't it? It is, but it, it isn't, right? Because whether it's 25 years of ministry, it's hard to do over 25 years, whether it's five years or, or whether it's just being called as, uh, to do whatever we, we, we can do for God, it's hard to love God and love other people. That's the whole story of, of, of God's word. He says that we fumble all over ourselves, right? And there's things in ministry we wish would have gone differently. Maybe we messed up. There's things that we trip over in personal sin, the traps of the devil. There's things that we trip over um, in administration and and saying things the right way. So it's hard to love God and love people all the time because that's who we are. We're human and we're sinful. But in these chapters from John 13 all the way to 17, I'm going to preach on every verse tonight. Don't worry. I'm not. It's 13 to 17. And what does Jesus do right there in those chapters? He perfectly loves God and people. And it's one of my favorite parts of scripture, maybe yours too, pastor. At verse thir- at chapter 13:1 it starts this way. It says, "Having loved those who were in the world, Jesus now showed them the full extent of his love." Wow. The district president of the universe getting down on his knees and washing sinners' feet. Wow. God himself giving his body and giving his blood for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, God praying for his followers. God asking his father that whatever his will he'll do. You would think that Jesus was preparing his disciples to go to the cross, right? With all of this comfort that he was giving them. Mm -mm. He was going to be the one going to the cross showing the full extent of his love for you and me sinners. 
and by his wounds we are healed. And your sins are forgiven. Don, Mary, your whole family, and your sins are all forgiven. Where does Jesus find that humility to do that? Where does he find it? It comes with a love for the Father and a love for people. The verse says this, in verse 15, 1, I am the true vine. That's the first of, or that's not the first, that's one of the seven I am statements Jesus makes in the book of John. And my Father is the gardener. And then verse 5, he says again, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What's the purpose of a vine? Why does a vine grow tall and why does it grow wide and long? Why does it grow that way? Does it grow for the purpose of growing tall? Does it grow just to get bigger? Is that the purpose of it? No, but what, the purpose of a vine to grow is what? To produce grapes, fruit. And Jesus is saying, I am that connection for new life. I'm that connection that I, when I grow, I grow for a purpose and I grow so that you can get connected to me. And you remain connected to him in your baptism when he brought you from death to life and gave you a whole new life. And now what happens when you're connected to the vine, it says? You will bear much fruit. When I came here first, I came home one night, and I said to Hannah, man, this guy doesn't stop. This is like breakneck speed. Here at Holy Word, it's enough to give you a heart attack. Um, yeah, now I'm meddling. Um, but there's a reason and there's a passion that he has. And it's because he's connected to the vine. And the vine will produce fruit. And so you see his passion and start in missions around Austin in Liberty Hill recently, in Georgetown, in Pflugerville, in Round Rock, and in Elgin, and all these places. Why? Not just to just grow bigger for the sake of growing bigger, but because he wants to connect people to what? Jesus. Yesterday, he doesn't get together with 20 to 30 kids from the neighborhood right around our church to tell them, many of them who have atheist parents, or have never even heard the story of Jesus before, many of them heard for the first time about who? Don Patterson. No, they heard about Jesus. Bear much fruit. He has a passion for connecting people to Jesus. And that's why you're here tonight. And that's why his family's here tonight. And that's why he has a deep devotion life and a prayer life with his Lord and Savior because he wants to remain connected and he wants his family to stay connected to the word, to the promises, to the Christian community. He wants you to stay connected. That's why he travels around the United States and trust me, there are big, big boots to fill here at Austin when he's gone, but he's doing it because he loves to connect people in Finland to Jesus. He loves to connect young people who are just about to get married or to married to Jesus. So Don and Mary, your boys, your growing family, God bless you. You're connected to Jesus and you will bear much fruit. You have for the last 25 years and you will for the next. God's blessings. Amen.
Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, thank you for the ministry of uh, Don Patterson and for connecting us, all of us, to Jesus Christ. You give us his love through the many ways in his life, and uh, thank you for his friendship and mentorship to me personally and for all of us who wish we had the time to say it to him uh, in front of everybody tonight, but we just don't have the time. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for him and for his beautiful family. Now bless him, and bless us as we stay connected to you, the vine. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, we'll have reflections from our leaders at Holy Word. Those of you that know me well, what do you think the chances are I'm going to get through this? (laughs) I'm going to start with the hardest part, and that's Mary. Not hard to come up with something nice to say, but to say it, you're welcome. Mary, thank you for being who you are. Your welcoming smile, your encouraging words, the fact that you more than any of us chase visitors across the parking lot because you were afraid that somebody didn't say hello to them. Is there any question that we would not be here tonight with this type of ministry if he didn't have the ministry partner he did in you? And we thank God for you always. Never forget the part of the life of this church that you are. His sons, thank you for not being selfish with your parents. And thank you all for being the men that you were and the men that you are. Because how, what a difference would it have made in their ability to serve us if y'all weren't those kind of men. And I pray that God will keep you that way. 25 years ago, we did not know who Don Patterson was, and the worst part is we didn't want to know who you were. (laughs) Do you know why? Because you, sir, were a graduate. (laughs) 25 years ago, Holy Word had a very bad self-image, and we didn't think there was any way that a young man could fix us. And I can remember Elaine and Joyce, where's Joyce? Elaine's with Jesus, catching me in the parking lot before one of the call meetings reiterating, Robert, we can't get a graduate. (laughs) (laughs) So we we made six calls to the field, and obviously we had six calls returned. Finally, we acquiesced to then District President Vala Skoleski, who had been telling us for a while, I've got this guy. And I think that worked out pretty well. I think shortly after you were assigned, someone was giving you some unsolicited advice about us, the members of Holy Word, and how you may want to deal with us. I don't know if you remember what I think you told him. I think I will just love them, and I think it'll be all right. I think that one worked out pretty well too, didn't it? Your type of leadership has made it easy to be under your authority in in scriptural things and just under your authority. One thing I'm amazed at and thankful for is the speed with which you have always given us forgiveness. I love old pastor stories, and one of my favorites is a pastor was retiring, and somebody asked him, if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? He said, I would tell my people more that they're forgiven. I don't think you have to worry about that one. I think you got that one right, and for that we thank you. Leading up to and during the building of the sanctuary, we came under 
some criticism, as could be expected. Of course, me, I wanted to get mad and even. Fortunately, I didn't win out. And I'll never forget, it was a watershed moment for me when you said, Robert, anytime you're criticized or there's a different opinion, you have to consider that they're right. That is a huge statement. You always stayed with the dissenters. You always tried to bring them in the fold, and you always tried to consider they were right. Well done. Possibly the biggest moment in our life was August the 15th of 1995. You remember that day? That's when we were, at, we were in a council meeting, and Barb Maddox's neighbor saw on the news that Fine Lumber Company was burning. She knew, she called Pastor, he took me outside, we smelt it from the front porch. The whole council, everybody went to Brown Lane. Here's my story. We're standing on Brown Lane, the news media figures out who I am, they come, I do the first interview. They leave, you know ours coming, don't you? Yes, I do. <laughs> Y'all are not going to believe this. He looks at me and he said, Robert, you were not bold enough with your witness. <laughs> Took me about five seconds to see which way I was going to go with that advice. <laughs> As you can tell, I came up on the right side. And, uh, and uh, we're still friends to this day. And <laughs> but the interesting thing is I did have several other opportunities for witness to... to to be interviewed, and what do you think I was thinking? Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> you have created a wonderful church family for our marriages, our children, our friends to show Jesus to. Thank you for being a pastor, and thank you for being my pastor. I didn't introduce myself earlier. I know most of you know me, but if you don't, uh, my name is Chad White, and uh, my wife and I came here about 22 years ago, and uh, I worked as a, served as a, as a lay leader, as a council member, and as an elder for several years before coming on staff in 2002, and so it's a, it's a great, great pleasure, first of all, just to be in front of you and to be all of you, and in front of you, Pastor, to, to share some words tonight. Um, when I thought about what I was going to say, and I thought a lot <laughs> about it, I realized there's just no way. Um, there's no way in just a few minutes, and that's all we were given, um, <laughs> to, to thank God and to honor God and to honor you and your family for what you've been to us. So before I start, I just have to say that. Um, but I'll try with a few words. Um, as Robert said, this is not just tonight, is not just a thank you and an honoring of Pastor Patterson, but also to, for Mary and for your family. Um, and as a fellow called worker, I know <clears throat> and I understand and I appreciate the challenges um, and the sacrifice and the commitment that it takes from a family um, for to be part of a family of a call worker. Um, and, and Cindy and I were talking about this the other day, and um, it, it's easy, I think, 
for a pastor's wife and the kids to walk around and to feel like they're always on the short end of the stick of their husband and father's time and attention um, and love. I've never felt that way with you guys. You guys, not perfectly, (laughs) but you embraced ministry and you embraced your dad being the pastor of the church. And so for that, I thank you. We thank you, and it's very inspirational. Um, I just want to share three things about you uh, that I thank God for, and, and hopefully they also are an expression that many of you would, would share as well. Um, the first is this, is that uh, I thank God that you are a pursuer of souls. <laughs> You've already heard it said with Robert, uh, you push us in a good way to reach out with the gospel to as many people as possible. You push our church to, uh, to reach out with the message of Jesus Christ to the people that don't yet know it. Um, and I know, and to start as many churches as possible. And I know that sometimes as a call worker and as a leader and as a member of the congregation, that can even be a little frustrating when you've barely finished starting a new church and you're off starting the next one. (laughs) Or sometimes you're in the middle of starting a new church, and you're talking about the next one. (laughs) Um, But we need it, because it keeps the Great Commission in front of us, front and center in our lives where it needs to be, so thank you for that. And uh, I guess I'll just share um, one personal thing. So I've been in pastor's office, you know, many times, and uh, I remember one time we were talking about trying to reach out to some people and share the gospel with uh, some specific people. And, you know, you have things to do and stuff going on. And so, um, you know, like I, I was just remember thinking, I didn't have the best attitude. I was like, I just don't know. I don't know if I have time. And the question that, that Don would ask me, and he's asked me this many times, is, well, you want to see him in heaven, don't you? <laughs> that kind of ended the discussion. <laughs> I knew what I needed to do. Secondly, I thank God that you are a lover of souls, a lover of souls. Um, you love people with the love of Christ. Um, you're what we would call in today's world, the buzzword is you are relational. Um, you've taught me that ministry is not about programs, but it's about people. Um, you are a good listener. You are a good encourager. You are a good mentor. Um, you meet people where they're at. Um, You spend time with people. Another phrase, uh, take the time, get the heart. And I've always kept that with me, and you do that with people. And and I think a part of that, too, is that, as Robert said, you're quick to forgive. Um, I remember leaving a council meeting one time, and, uh, you know, the pastor remembers the little things, and he, he always wants to make sure that his relationship with you is, is okay, and he gets very concerned if even the littlest thing maybe happened, and so I remember leaving a council meeting one time, and I don't even know what he said, uh, and apparently it was something that he thought was to me or about me that maybe hurt my feelings, and it wasn't, I wasn't two minutes down the road, and I got a phone call from Pastor Patterson asking if I was okay, and apologizing that he maybe hurt my feelings, and again, I don't even remember what it was that he said, but that shows the mark of a man who truly loves people and wants to be quick to forgive. So I thank you for that as well. And uh, the final thing that I'm thankful for, thankful to God for, is that you are a feeder of souls. Um, 
Pastor, you, uh, you have a gift for sharing God's word and insights from God's word um, like very few people I've ever met and very few people I've ever known personally. Um, it's in your preaching, it's in your teaching, it's in your one-on-one time with people. Um, it's in counseling sessions, it's your advice that you give at council meetings, at pastor's conferences. Um, the old saying was, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. We used to say that about Lou Rabenberg, when Lou talks at council meetings, people listen. Well, Don, when you talk, people listen. And while you are very gifted and talented, I think the key and the foundation to that more so is that you speak to the heart of people And it's because you have allowed God's word to speak to your own heart. Um, And you allow God's word to break you down (laughs) and to reveal to you the, the sinner that you are, but to also relish in the joy and the grace that God's given you. And then you share that with people. And that makes you a wonderful pastor. So thank you for that. Um. A quote I saw from a writer this week said, It's not great talents that God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. And I think that's what makes you stand out as a pastor, is that you give us Jesus. Or as Cindy said it the other day, you leak Jesus. (laughs) I'm going to end with a scripture passage. I could have picked many, but um, I thought this captured things pretty well. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that I might, by all, by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Pastor, it's a huge, huge understatement to say that it's been a tremendous blessing to serve with you, to be shepherded by you, and to be your friend. God's blessings to you and your family. I'm Chuck Wester. I serve as a pastor at Christ Our Savior in Columbia, Tennessee. Also privileged to serve with Pastor Patterson on the Conference of Presidents. Just, just a couple of words, and, and they told me three to five minutes, so I, I, I will stay to that, Pastor Patterson, I promise. Fifteen years ago, my daughter gave me a gift. She's 21 now. She brought this art project home from school. She wrapped it up, and she gave it to me as a Christmas gift. And I excitedly opened this gift, and I looked at it, And it was some kind of a clay receptacle. And I looked at it and I said, Abby, this is the most beautiful gift I've ever received in my life. This is a treasured possession. I will never, never let it out of my sight. And she turned and looked at the Christmas tree. And I looked at my wife and I said, what is this? (laughs) And what will we use it for? I look at Paul's letter to the Ephesians, as God inspired the Apostle Paul to write, and he reminds us of something important there, and that is this, that it is God himself 
the God who loved you so dearly that he would part with his one and only son, the God who loved you and me even when we were completely unlovable and running the wrong direction, the God who said you will be mine for all eternity, the God who gave, yes, the God who gave himself for us on a cross, that God said it was he, God, Christ himself, the Lord of the church, who gave some to be pastors and teachers. You might have, 25 years ago, looked at your pastor and said, what is it? And what are we going to do with this? And I think God has answered the question. God has reminded you, and we remind you tonight, too, it's my privilege to be able to do that, to stand before you and say, God has given to you a gift, 25 years of a gift, a shepherd with a shepherd's heart who has served you as a gift from God, And what are you going to do with it? Well, God has used him to equip you just as God promised to do ministry, to reach the lost, to empower you through God's power as he shares the power of God and the word of God. God has blessed the ministry here immensely. And tonight, I just have a chance to be here to say, I thank God with you for your pastor, God's gift to you. I also stand in somewhat of an official capacity I think it's important also that I say to you as a congregation, Holy Word Lutheran Church in Austin, Texas, I say to you from the entire synod, thank you. I understand the sacrifice that you've made as a family, that you've made it as a wife. I I understand it. I get it. I understand your pastor's heart for you, and I understand the sacrifice that he has made and the sacrifice that you have made so that he might serve us as a church body. Let me just stand before you tonight to say this and say it clearly. Your pastor is an amazing blessing to the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. On behalf of all of those members of the Synod, I would say thank you to you for sharing your pastor that he might serve all of us. Pastor Patterson, I I will always remember one of the first things you said to me after starting as as a district president, and I think it's good for your congregation to hear it too. He said, you will mourn the loss of your own church. As you serve as a pastor's pastor and a pastor of the teachers in your district, you will mourn the loss. And I saw a pastor's heart and I saw a pastor who loved another pastor enough to say, it's not always going to be easy, but stay the course. As he's encouraged you, he's encouraged me. And please know and understand how much it's appreciated as we serve together in the Conference of Presidents. Pastor Schrader has asked me to share that. Your colleagues on the Conference of Presidents has asked me to serve that, to say that. I say it also to you, the Congregation of Holy Word. We thank God for you. We thank God for your servant. Thank you for an opportunity to say that publicly. This time I invite some of our uh, past Holy Word vicars and our current Holy Word vicar to come forward and they're going to sing a song for us. By the way, I should say while they're coming up, this is one of Pastor Patterson's favorite hymns. Um, it's not the easiest hymn to sing, so as much as he wanted us to sing it on many occasions and we struggled through it, we hope that this is maybe the best version he has heard. 
No pressure. <laughs>
How's everybody doing this evening? So I actually caught wind that uh, Pastor Patterson is actually more nervous about my speech than I am. <laughs> 28 years, he's been telling me what to do. 20 years, he's been telling me what not to do, punishing me, yelling at me. Well, now it's my turn to speak. <laughs> what goes around comes around, buddy. No, in all seriousness, this is an honor because this is the church I grew up in. It's just a privilege to speak in front of you guys. Um, I love situations like this where we have a reason to get together as a family. You know, you have graduation, you have a wedding, and before that, engagements. And sometimes, in unfortunate events, you have funerals, which entails a celebration of itself. But tonight, we honor this man of 25 years of service. I couldn't imagine doing anything for five years, let alone 25. (laughs) If I had to sum up our relationship in one word, I would say it's very unique. In a great way. Since day one, he has claimed me as one of his own. And you ask, like, well, Josh, why would he claim me as one of his own? It's like, well, obviously. <laughs> and I'm, I'm the type of person that I love giving people a hard time. I love seeing their reaction. And so I love it when he introduces me to people because they don't know what to think. So let me give you a situation. I'm like, oh, hey, Don, how you doing? Well, how you doing, John? I uh, see so you brought your whole family up here. Yeah, my wife and all five of my boys. Five? I, I thought you had four. No, we got five. Oh, which one is he? One right there. Right there in front of you. I mean, all I see is a really good-looking, handsome young man. Wow, is he good-looking. You mean Josh, the goofy-looking one who's always instigating, giving people a hard time? Yeah, that's mine right there. Well, the biggest point that I'm trying to allude to is that he's claimed me since day one. Just like all of us, he's claimed us since day one. Um, His mission, since he started being a pastor, has never changed. His mission was to preach God's word, show that his grace, mercy, and love is always offered to us freely. Not because of something that we've done, just because God loves us so much, he just gives it to us. And that he wanted to change the world through scripture, which is God-breathed. And that is something that is to be proud of and... I know for a fact that you have impacted my life in ways that I can't even list. It's, it's just too long to name because I'm a better person because of you. I'm a better man because of you. And most importantly, and above all else, I'm a better Christian because of you. And uh, I want to thank you for the things that you've done for me and my family. And I don't mean just my immediate family. I mean my family. Because without you and all the leadership and wisdom that you possess, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be as bountiful, we wouldn't be as thriving, we wouldn't be as successful if it wasn't for you. And I know for a fact that if one day I'm able to become half the man that you are, I'm almost perfect. So I just want to say thank you for everything that you've done, and uh, there will never be another like you. Thank you. Daddy. So being the youngest, I obviously thought I was the smartest kid. And uh, on the way here, I told myself, oh, I'm the son of Don Patterson. I can just get up here and improvise, and I'd be perfectly fine. That is, that is totally wrong. Um, I'll start off with saying, uh, growing up as the youngest child, I've had a lot of people to look up to, especially my brothers. 
But the person I look up to the most is my dad. Looking back throughout high school, I realized my relationship with my dad wasn't as strong as it could have been. Excuse me. Not because we didn't see eye to eye, but because of how I took his knowledge and time for granted. There's been countless times through my first year of college where I've realized things about myself and how I handle myself that are exactly the way my father is. His uh, love for Christ made him miss sport events, made him miss countless things in my life and my brother's life that I selfishly took for granted, thinking that the Lord was taking my father away from me. But God was using him to bless so many other people than I could dream of. He is a perfect example of God's plan is greater than all earthly things. His love for Christ has guided him in his life to make sacrifices with my family for God's will. To see you all here today and the love you have shown me and my family is a prime example of all of it. I come back from maybe just a few weeks and see all of y'all's faces brings a joy to my heart that I can't explain. I want to talk about the selflessness my father has shown for me and my family and the ultimate sacrifices he's made. There's countless times where he's put me and my brothers way before any of his own selfish desires. He's sacrificed many opportunities to go out and do the things he wanted to, like go out to the ranch, to go drive three and a half hours just to see me stand on the sideline of a football game, (laughs) and then drive three and a half hours back that same day just to go out to the ranch with all of us. I also want to thank you guys, the whole congregation, and love that you've shown us throughout the years. I can guarantee you, you all are family to my family, and uh, it's it's honestly a pleasure always coming back here, and I thank God for keeping our family here for 25 years, and hopefully for many more. Thank you. So I'm Caleb Patterson. I'm the third son, and uh, I'm going to beat out Mr. Timmerman for being the most emotional, probably. But when us boys were growing up, uh, one thing my dad always stressed to us was the importance of being a leader. When, when I was back at home, and he would say this to us, a lot of us would, it would be easy for us to brush this off and say, oh great, here goes another mini-sermon, and, <laughs> and this old man doesn't know what he's talking about. But now that I'm finally getting out from under his wing a little bit and being on my own, I'm realizing how important it really is uh, to be a leader. And uh, I was just recently talking to a coworker of mine about it, and he was an Army Ranger uh, for 20 years. And he told me, you know, the Army Rangers, they follow the five C's of leadership. Those are one, courage, two, confidence, three, communication, four, character, five, commitment. Well, Dad, I think it's safe to say that in 25 years, you've been an Army Ranger for Christ and for your family. You know, it must have taken a lot of courage to convince our mom, the Southern woman she is, to move up north for four years while you finished your school at seminary. (laughs) Five years. You know, but but in all seriousness... um, the countless times we have seen you and both mom 
witness to those who would tell you to your face. They didn't want to hear it, but you knew they needed to. And Mr. Timmerman mentioned it, but how many times would mom throw us all against the pew to run out and chase someone down in her heels into the parking lot? This goes along with number two, which is confidence. The confidence you've shown, like Chad talked about with new missions and and various forms of evangelism, shows uh, with the vision that you take and turn it into a reality, um, not only with your own confidence, but with the confidence of this congregation behind you. And that's been huge to see through all of you, too. You really can't have the first two without communication, though. Communication um, is important, especially while trying to raise five strong-willed, stubborn boys. Um, especially when they needed a good communicator to remind them to count their blessings at times. Because I do remember one of the boys hopping up on the counter and saying, you know, when I'm 16, things are going to have to change around here. (laughs) And I won't say who that was. (laughs) This takes me to the fourth C, which is character. And we can all say that it is easy to do the right thing until we find ourselves in that moment in life that is a pickle between third base and home. We can either take off, go home, and trample over anyone and anything we can do to score that point, or we can stay safe at third and do the right thing. Now, I'm not saying that Pastor Patterson, my father, is a perfect man, because I know that some of you may have seen him sin like I have, or even seen his eyes bulge like I have. (laughs) But I can always say that he's done well and made sure that his boys knew that it was it was only right to do the right thing and the Christian thing and and show our light through him. And last but not least, commitment. Dad, through 25 years of service, a strong marriage, raising five boys and making it through a heart attack. Dad, you haven't given up and I thank you for that. It has always been obvious to me that you are an army ranger for not only for your immediate family, but for the family here at Holy Word and a humble servant of Christ. For we know that none of this would be possible without him who has called you for his purpose. Thank you. First off, I want to say thank you for everybody that had a hand in putting this night together. This is something very special. Um, you know, this place has been home since some of our earliest memories. And it's kind of surreal standing here today because for 25 years I've sat in that pew and listened to you preach to me <laughs> and sometimes at me. Um, but tonight I get to return the favor. Now, rest assured, I may resemble my father, but I'm not nearly as long-winded as he is. <laughs> Dad, the the good Lord has blessed you with many talents and abilities. But one thing he did not bless you with is that of physical stature. (laughs) And now I know as an adolescent that may have been a source of disappointment for you. And while you may never be the tallest guy in any room you walk into, I want to let you know that in my eyes you stand head and shoulders above the rest. You stand so tall for your Lord and Savior, first and foremost, for your family, for your synod, for holy word. And, uh, you know, I think through my adolescence, we may have butted heads some, but 
that was never because I didn't like you or anything like that. It was because I saw how tall you stood and used you as a measuring stick, and it made me realize how short I was. Um, so continue to stand tall. The second thing I want to talk about is something I don't speak on often, and that's because had that day gone differently, my life and many of the people's lives in this room would be completely changed. And that was the day of your heart attack. Now, as you laid there 12 years ago on the side of Gaddis School Road, with your heart struggling to pump blood through the rest of your body, I think God decided to spare you for two reasons that day. One, he wanted to teach Mom a lesson that when you tell her you don't feel good, you really don't feel good. <laughs> I still don't think she's learned it. But this, the second being, he knew your work here was not finished. He knew you had missions to start called workers to mentor, sons to raise, sons to marry off, grandchildren to grandfather. So I challenge you and everyone else in this room to make sure you take care of yourself because your work here is not finished. I mentioned earlier that I've listened to you preach for 25 years now, so I've had my fair share of sermons to uh, choose from, but one of my favorites that I ever heard you preach was over John 21, and it was when Jesus was eating with the disciples. And he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says back, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my lambs. And he asked him a second time and a third time. And your tagline to that was, Peter, you're missing the point. And I hear you whisper that in my head every time I'm, I'm looking, searching for the point of something. So what is the point? What is the point to this? What is the point to life? And it, Dan stole it from me earlier. The point is to love God and love God's people. And, and that's something that you have exemplified since the day I knew you to be my father. And I think it's something so simple yet so key that we all forget all too often. So, Dad, continue to love God and love God's people, and I know you will. Lastly, I want to address my mother. Mom, thank you for being such a good example for us boys on how to give, on how to love. I mean, it, I never once saw you act shortchanged or jealous, and it made it so much easier on us that if, if you wouldn't, how could, I'm, how could we? And thank you to everybody here at Holy Word. Like I said, this is home. This is a very special place. I see 20 different sets of parents and 20 different sets of grandparents. So that's all I got. Amen? Howdy, everybody. I got to be the headliner by being the oldest, but I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Um, I sat down to write what I was going to say a couple of days ago, and after about four sentences, I sat back in my chair to look at what I had written and thought, man, this looks like a eulogy for my very alive father. <laughs> so I, I knew I had to start over, but I didn't really want to work on it. So I backed up in my chair again, and I started to let my mind drift and think, um, I've got two boys. If in 25 years they were asked to stand up and say something about me, what would they say? And quickly I came to the realization, thank goodness I'm a fish farmer and not a pastor because they don't ever have to get up and say anything about me. And that gave me another epiphany in that my father raised five sons and every single one of them came here tonight to stand up to say something nice about him. 
And that, without me saying anything further, will say enough about who the man my father is. And uh, sorry, growing up, it's uh, it's hard to see how your dad does what he does. Everything he seems to do is perfect and impossible for you to complete. Now you get older, and slowly that mystery disappears. You start to figure out how your dad did certain things, and uh, up until. Very, very recently, there were three things that my dad did that I still could not figure out how he did them. The first one is, my dad and my mother made parenting look incredibly easy, and I have two sons, and it's not. <laughs> it's not easy at all. Uh, he raised five very different boys. You can tell by the way we dressed how different we are. Um, he raised... There's the fish farmer, financial analyst, a builder, jury's still out on Blake. (laughs) And Josh is just professionally good looking, as you heard in his speech. (laughs) We all had very individual idiosyncrasies that my dad was somehow able to manage and administer to. I don't know how y'all did that. The second thing that my father did that I did not understand how he did, and my mother deserves a lot more credit for this than him probably is they made marriage look easy and I'm married and it's not (laughs) they never once raised their voice when we were around to each other unless it was playful which was confusing because when I grew up I thought the way you were supposed to flirt with your girlfriend was to pick on them and be mean to them because that's what my mother did (laughs) but I quickly found out that was not the case Um, But you guys taught us what it meant to be in a good marriage, and I don't know how you did that. The third thing that my father did that I did not understand until very recently is uh, my dad made faith and service to Jesus look easy, and I'm a leader in my congregation, and I can tell you it's not. It's not easy. Uh, There are a lot of people that I don't know how to show love to that I think, what would my father do? And I just don't have an answer for you. Uh, And I was expressing that to my father a couple of weeks ago at Camp Shiloh, and he brought up one of the famous Gillespieisms about meeting them at the low water crossing. Uh, Only a couple people in this room are going to know what that means, but uh, Right after my first son was born, um, he was not sleeping one night, and to get him to go to sleep, I started to sing a hymn that my parents used to sing to me when I was not, not uh, sleeping. And because my son was conceived when I was not yet married, I was struggling with a lot of guilt at the time. And this hymn that my father sang had a verse in it that goes, uh, Just as I am, and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot, uh, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. And for the first time in my life that night, I understood what forgiveness was. Uh, And in that night, a lot of the things that my father could do that I could not and did not understand became perfectly clear to me. uh, 
how did my dad make parenting look easy? And it was uh, forgiveness from that guilt. How did my dad and my mom make marriage look easy? And it was forgiveness to each other from all that guilt. How did my dad make faith and service to Jesus look easy? It was forgiveness and and love to God's people, like everybody else has said tonight, and, uh, and love to God. Now, after I had kids, my dad used to remind me, no, after you were born, I called my parents right away and said, thank you. <laughs> Out of uh, stubbornness, I never did say that. <laughs> tonight, Mom and Dad, in front of all these people, I'm going to say, thank you. Thank you for all you did for me. Thank you for all you did for Seth, Caleb, Blake, and Josh. Thank you for all you did for everybody here. And thank you, God, for giving me this wonderful man as my father and for your shepherd. Amen. I always wondered what it would be like to be at your own funeral. I think I just got a window, except this isn't like a Lutheran funeral. There's way too much talk about uh, Mary and me, but I do understand it. And uh, I am am asking myself, who is that man they're talking about up there? Because we're all sinners, and you know it. And uh, the neatest thing about uh, the kingdom of God when we are centered in Christ is that we really do have freedom in forgetting our faults and each other's faults. And the the faster we learn that and the more we do it, the more this will be like heaven. Because when we get to heaven, we're not going to talk about each other's sins ever again. We're not even going to think about them because we'll be completely purified by Christ. And so when we get to come to an event like this, and I I told Chad when we sat down the first time and he asked, what do do you want to do for this thing? I said, "I, I want the Holy Word family to be together and have a really good time because there's only two guys in my class that stayed at their church. And there's nothing righteous about that, that they went to when they graduated. Because God calls you and he moves you, but he didn't call and move me. And uh, I said, these folks at Holy Word, this is their 25 years too. Now, not all of you were here the whole 25, but it feels like it sometimes, right? And uh, just a few things uh, to, to uh, reflect on on moments uh, it was beautiful to see you seven vicars up here singing that song. Uh, I came out of seminary. They sang it in the seminary chapel. That's how it got introduced to me as a student, and I just love it. It's a very deep song, and it was written by a, a professor in the Missouri Synod Seminary at a time when the Missouri Synod Lutherans were getting away from the Bible and away from the gospel. They've come back a long time ago, and he wrote that to call people back to the Word. If you look at the words, you really understand it. It is a very difficult hymn, but here's my thing. If I can sing it and I can't read music, by George, we could figure out how to sing that hymn. And uh, you guys did a great job, and it means a lot to me. Um, my confirmation verse is the verse that Dan shared with us from the I am the vine, you are the branches. And uh, I think the pastor, his name was Bob Hill. Some of you might know of him. He's in the Plano area by Dallas. Um, is it not the Robert Hill that you know out here in Marble Falls, but... The pastor that picked that verse for me, I think he said he would pick our verse if we'd let him, based on our personality. That's what he said. And I was a precocious young man. Can you imagine that? And I am the vine, you are the branches. Stay in me, and I in you, and you'll bear much fruit. I think was a perfect verse for me, because it's been a law and a gospel for me ever since. 
And it was preached at my ordination in that room 25 years ago this last Wednesday, and Pastor Gertner did a great job with it. I haven't forgotten that. Uh, And it's the days when I did forget it that I was at my worst. And another thing, I know that all of you have seen me on that dark side because we all are sinners and we see that. But you're so forgiving and you're so caring and you're so loving that it makes it easy to want to stay and serve and mourn if you have to be away. And that's what Jesus does. That's what's so beautiful. That's what we celebrate tonight. Um, I... uh, I had some notes. They're over there, but I'm not going to go get them. Uh, there's, uh, there's, there's just uh, tonight with the all the work and effort that you put into making this a special time for us and for yourselves, for the glory of God and Jesus Christ. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart, and that you'd spend Friday evening with us. It, it's a, it, it's, it means the world. And there's people that can't be here, and they want it to be, and, and you represent all of them. And, the, and that's the way I feel about it. Um, when we get to heaven, we're going to be so glad with the people that we got to journey with. And uh, we're going to be glad to see so many that journeyed apart from us. And uh, I just want to encourage you with that, that word, that this is just a little taste And the Apostle Paul said that. He said, when you come to know Christ, God gives you a deposit in the Holy Spirit and what he produces through the gospel in your life as a deposit guaranteeing what? What is to come. And so this celebration that we have in the gospel of Jesus and what it's done for us for 25 years is just that. Uh, Mary, thank you for being a forgiving best friend. Um, You're the hardest person to preach to because you know the most. And uh, you still, when you said the other day in my presence that I made the gospel simple to you, the Bible simple to you, I thought maybe through my sins I had lost you a long time ago. (laughs) Uh, But I didn't. And you still listen to me preach. And and, And you stay by my side. And you, uh, you really haven't uh, made it an issue that I was gone a lot because of the call to go do something for Jesus, for his people. You, it's always been you going also. And you've been a, a, a model for me in the way that you've done that. And uh, you young men that are my, my boys, uh, you have, you have uh, clung to the gospel and you haven't gone into that selfish and simple shallow, I'm going to be mad at God or the church. I mean, you have those feelings, but you, because you know Jesus, you knew they were from the dark side of you, and you didn't follow that, and you're here. And you're not here in any kind of bitterness. And there are pastors all over this planet whose kids are a testimony to the opposite of what their dad stands for. And uh, when you stood up there today, and you all gave glory to God, and you talked from your heart, Uh, First of all, you all should have been pastors. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) Right? Goodness. (laughs) But uh, you shouldn't have because you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. And vocation, you haven't haven't let me down a bit. You just make me proud. And uh, I'm glad this congregation gave you a chance to have a voice. And when you got the chance, they got to see that... God is real, faith is real, family is real, love is real, and uh, 
There's nothing better on this planet than Jesus Christ. Amen? And we all get to experience that together. So I'm going to quit because this sermon is getting kind of flat. So (laughs) thank you for being here. My brother and my sister there and their families came from the Dallas area and spent the weekend with us. Thank you and your love. Uh, I know that I'm not your pastor, but you've let me. Yeah, just your brother. And if you would do me one favor, don't tell any childhood stories while we're here. (laughs) That would be good. uh, Yeah, we're not going to give my sister the mic. Uh, my colleagues in ministry, Darren, Dan, Chad, Vickers, Vicker now, and uh, all of you else that are leaders in the church, uh, you, there's a verse that Jesus talked about. He said the king, when he knows his army is with him, is, is invincible. Jesus talked about that too. Uh, you guys are strong in the Lord. You're strong in the faith. You're strong in what you do, and you make it really easy to be on staff with you. Uh, in one, when, and Chuck is here, Chuck Beagie. He came, when the year he came, we had a new principal, a new vicar, a new past, two new pastors. And it's like we went from Chad and me to all these other personalities, which would be in many rooms a recipe for disaster. But because of the word of God, the love for Christ that you have, the maturity, Dan, beyond your years as a young man. Darren, you really have the youth of a, of a younger man, but you have the wisdom of a man much older than me. I... Uh, uh, Chad, you're just as loyal and faithful to Jesus and people. I trust you with anything. Uh, all of you vicars, Lucas, uh, you guys. I've made more vicars cry than any other bishop. <laughs> I've had more vicars than any other present bishop. But uh, you guys are awesome. And you're gra- it's the grace of God. So I said I was going to quit. Thank you for everything. It's wonderful. We're going to close tonight's service with a prayer. It's not in the folder, but we are going to say the Lord's Prayer together, and then we'll sing our hymn. So uh, let's stand and say, say the prayer. Lord of the church, thank you for raising up men of faith to serve as pastors among us, to preach your word and to administer your sacraments. We especially thank you tonight for Pastor Patterson as you have blessed him and us with 25 years of ministry. We've come, all come to a better understanding of your goodness and your love, and we've been enriched in faith through him. Grant that he may live continually in your presence, be steadfast in faith, and know your love in such abundance as to continue to share it throughout his life. We give you thanks as well for his wife Mary, for his boys, and for all his family who in their love and support of Pastor Patterson have made a significant self-offering to the mission of your Holy Church. As they have shared their love, so shower them with your love and blessings. We celebrate all the joys that have been birthed in these 25 years. We celebrate all the happy times, all the accomplishments, all the triumphs. We acknowledge that there have also been and will continue to be struggles and heartaches, yet we have traveled all of it together under your protection and love. 
Gracious God, as we celebrate our past and rejoice in our present, we also look forward with eager eyes to the future. We pray that you would continue to make your love known among us, give us a zeal for mission, help us to look beyond our walls to those who do not know you, and make this church a blessing to those around us, and embolden us to move forward with strength toward what lies ahead. We give you all the thanks, praise, and honor through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who also taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all. Amen. You may be seated and we'll sing our closing hymn, Savior, again to thy dear name. <laughs>